You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we welcome you into a Thursday Locked On Syracuse podcast, talking hoops, a little bit of football on the back half of today. We'll recap some of the all-ACC teams that were floating around in the Twitter machine. And by the way, if you'd like to give us a follow on the Twitter machine, our username is at LO underscore Syracuse, or just search Lockdown Syracuse in the Twitter search bar up there. Tim Leonard and Tyler Aki, we're going to get into one of our 10 topics, 10 thoughts, I think is what we're calling these. Yeah, and if you've got hoops. any suggestions of what we should talk about, Tim and I have curated a list of 10. But we're willing to yes. branch out and get some supplementary help as well. A couple people tweeted at us of what they want us to talk about in as a part of this 10 topics for the Syracuse basketball preview. So we will also address all of your questions as well. Yeah, and the people that have tweeted at us, I think those were already covered in our list of 10. So we yeah. will be getting mm-hmm. to those. So stay tuned. We'll Except give you for your one. proper due. One coming from a Cuse jersey collector who wanted to know if the uh, orange cursive yeah. jerseys will be sold this year. And to right. that I say we cross our fingers and pray that it's yes. Yeah, that that was the photo I put out was those cursive jerseys. And oh, man, they look so good. Some of our throwback jerseys just don't get enough love for how awesome they are. So that, that was a funny response from a Cuse jersey collector. Anyway, today's topic is the freshman, essentially, and we will talk, we'll start out talking about Kadari Richmond, then we'll get into Frank Anselm in the second segment of the show, and probably a little bit of Woody Newton talk, I think if you're knowledgeable about this and have been following us, we're not overly optimistic that Woody Newton cracks the lineup, and that's not even really an indictment on him, it's just the history of Jim Beheim and freshman, and then what is in front of him in terms of the lineup. The history of Jim Beheim in terms of playing guys, like he usually stops at seven or eight, so you got to put a cutoff point somewhere. But we will get into those two on the second segment. Let's start with Kadari Richmond. And i got to say, Ty, I'm, I'm going to come out and just profess my unwavering support in Kadari Richmond. I'm, I'm all in on the hype train. I know John Rothstein has been spearheading it. A little part of me is a little bummed that everyone else is on the hype train now because I watched his tape and I've always really, really liked this guy and thought he was vastly underrated in terms of a recruiting standpoint. I think he was up to 88 on ESPN last time I checked and he's right around there on most of the recruiting services. But I mean, you hear all this hype that's coming out. Buddy Beheim goes on ESPN radio and says, he's a special talent, man. And he's been battling with Joe Girard in practice. Jim Beheim is saying he's a really good point guard. And I think we should clarify that for those that are wondering what is going to be his predominant position, it's pretty clear to me that he's going to be point guard because Beheim has clarified that now several times. And he said something to the effect of, I know a couple people were wondering, he is a point guard. I can tell you he's a point guard. And then his high school coach even has corrected John Rothstein on Twitter and I think Rothstein said something like the the six five wing is going to be a huge asset. Expect big things, you know, his highly entrenched moles, whatever he phrased it as. And the, his high school coach at Brewster said point guard in all caps in the response, and then kind of praised him as well. So he's going to be the point guard and probably the backup point guard for this team. But I'm all in on the hype train. I'm I'm with you there too. When you look at a guy like Kadari Richmond, just from a frame setup. Very similar to what you saw with Frank Howard. I'm not comparing the two in terms of their actual on-court skills. I'm comparing their bodies. 6'5", 180. 
He's a long dude, and he can play. He's one of those bigger guards that you typically see at the top of the zone for this Syracuse team. And I think for a team that, quite frankly, doesn't have a ton of size up at... I mean, you do have Buddy Bayheim up there, but it wouldn't surprise me if maybe you saw Alan Griffin play up there defensively. Who knows how that all gets shook out. But... You do have to compensate because Joe Girard is only six foot one, and it might be a generous six one at that. That when you have undersized guys at the top of the zone, that's when we've seen the defense kind of fall out. Think of the last two times this team hasn't been very good defensively. Joe Girard at the top of the zone, and then previously before that, it was John Gillen at the top of the zone. And that's why it struggled because you didn't have those long guys, and that's what Kadari's gonna bring to this team now. How many minutes do you think he will play this year? Because, I mean, I guess that's our prop shot bet, and we're doing some of these for each of these 10 thoughts, and I kind of set it at 12 and a half minutes as the prop shop. I'm leaning over on that, and I think that's because of my unwavering love for him, as, as I talked about. I, I really think when you look at him and his ability to create, that's just so ahead of the curve for most freshmen that this is the type of player that I think two, three years from now we're talking about like one of the great recruits that Jim Beheim has gotten in recent memory. I don't want to put that much hype on him, but I think he could have almost close to a Tyus Battle type career at Syracuse. I'm that high on him. To me, I'm kind of going with the under there, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just yeah. think about when you look at how the minutes are probably going to be cut up for this year. By saying that he's going over that 12 and a half ledger, you're assuming that Joe Girard is not going to be playing 35 a night. In fact, you're, you're essentially saying Joe Girard's going to be playing under 33 a night. And maybe he does, but I just, until I see that happen, I'm going to say it's the under on that. Because if Jim Beheim is so steadfast on this guy's a point guard, he's going to play the one for us, and point guard, point guard, point guard, there's no other position for him then you're really opening up only one spot on the floor for him. And with a guy like Joe Girard, and may maybe he goes double point guard lineups at times. Who knows? We've seen him do that. I think he past. would. But yeah. at that token, you're saying that some combination of Alan Griffin, Buddy Beheim, and Joe Girard, there's going to be a guy not averaging 33 minutes a game. And I just find that tough to believe right now. Yeah, I would say that Bayheim will look to play Joe some off the ball and take advantage of putting Richmond and Joe back there at times. I think he should go to that. I hope he goes to that. So the question marks for me with Richmond initially will be, like we talked about Griffin, learning the 2-3 zone, because I think he has to prove himself still defensively. That was kind of the knock on him coming out of high school. And his jumper is a little bit inconsistent, so I, I want to see him really show off what is his biggest skill to me which is that he's a big guard and he's athletic and he can get to the rim and finish at the rim yeah and it's very Michael Carter Williams-esque here and you think about MCW his freshman season he only averaged 10 minutes a game and then he got so much better that next season he averaged 35 minutes a game and is a part of that final four run with this team he could he could distribute the ball and he could score he could get to the basket so it's gonna be I think that's kind of the mold for you here he when you look at a guy like MCW, he was 6'6", 185. I mentioned Kadari. He's a guy. He's six foot five, one eighty. Very similar builds there. And can he kind of have that trajectory? Your freshman season, the minutes you play, don't necessarily dictate what your success can be. And I think Michael Carter Williams is a prime example of that. So I wouldn't be too upset 
if you see Richmond maybe not get to that 12 and a half this year. Would I like to see it? Sure. I'd love to see Kadari Richmond get some extra run out there, but I just don't see it happening given what we've seen out of Bayheim and his track record. Okay, quick break to tell you guys about my favorite beer out there. My favorite beer for a while now, Coors Light. When the mountains are blue, there is nothing like laying down on the couch on the weekend, watching sports and cracking open and hearing that sizzle of a Coors Light. It is the only beer out there that is literally made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. You got the Thursday night football game on later tonight. Falcons, Panthers, if you are listening to this on Thursday. If not, maybe you're listening to this on Friday. Get ready for college football Saturday. Keep Coors Light in mind. It's the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. Flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open a Coors Light. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You need a well-oiled machine to get where you want to go. But in today's world, there have never been more options for you to buy from. Why not make it easy for you and go to rockauto.com? Not only are you going to get the best selection, and the easiest way to shop for auto parts, but you're also going to get it at the best price as well. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, maybe even 100% more for the same exact part? RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Whether you need engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet. Check out their website. The catalog is unique and super easy to navigate, and you will quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, for your brand, for your make, for your model, whatever you need to fix up your car or truck. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you again. When you go to rockauto.com, when you go fix up your car through their website, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com let's shift gears to the other freshman that i think we both think will be a decent part of the rotation this year we'll get into maybe how often he will play but that's frank anselm the latest out of this class at the center position Great rim runner, great at getting second chances and sort of crashing the glass. I think he has a lot of potential. The question mark with him will be how raw is he when he comes out, specifically on the offensive end, and how quickly can he figure out what to do and where to be in the 2-3 zone? How quickly can he learn how to get out on those shooters in the short corners and just understand the nuances of the 2-3 zone? But the good news is, Along with Kadari Richmond, he has been getting a lot of buzz in camp and a lot of this kid is way ahead of the curve and he's really impressing in practice. Now, unlike at the point guard spot, there are minutes to be had at the center position. And part of it is something that Jim Beheim really can't even control. And it's the following situation. Look at the guys who foul the most on this team. Every single game you are battling against the five count with Marek Dolajai, and Barama Sidibe. So naturally, yeah, and Quincy to a degree. But so naturally, you're going to have minutes open up. Now, is it going to be Frank Anselm? That's what we're waiting to see right now. And I think that with this 
Weird offseason. Again, Jesse Edwards, he had some trouble getting back to the United States, but he's been here now. He's been with the team for the majority of the offseason. So I would say that at least to start, it'll be Jesse. But don't be surprised because Frank Anselm could definitely steal some of those minutes away if he's impressing in practice. If he's Because one of the things with him is for some of the deficiencies he may have defensively, he's got a natural feel for blocking. And when you've got that, sometimes you can get away with some things. Maybe you're not the quickest out to the corner, but you can compensate because you can stop a couple extra shots at the rim. Kind of like Pascal Chuku. He wasn't the greatest at getting out to the corner He wasn't because he wasn't the most agile. Frank Anselm is agile, and he can get out to those corners and stuff like that. Hopefully, I think he can. It's just kind of getting the mental part of things down for him and learning on the fly. Because again, he's a very raw project. Didn't start playing until what, like five years ago? So he's still picking yeah. up some of the nuances of basketball as well. Yeah, I would say Jesse is really raw. And Quincy was a little, like he's a little raw. I think Anselm will be somewhere in the middle of those in terms of his freshman season and what we sort of saw from those guys last year. And remember, Quincy was out of position a lot in the zone. And right, was defensively he was a mess. Defender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... That's going to be the question mark like it is any time you incorporate a big into this 2-3 zone system. But down the line, I do think Anselm has a higher ceiling than maybe of any of the Syracuse bigs in a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Jesse has a high ceiling too, but he's further away from that ceiling right now. Just based on what we're hearing, it seems like I maybe would have considered Anselm as a redshirt candidate about two, three months ago. Now that's definitely not going to happen. And we put out the the prop shop we have for this one is backup center who is going to play the most minutes by the end of the season minutes per game we'll call it and maybe we'll have to void some of this if if someone gets injured but let's just assume everyone's or a red all shirt healthy too. that very well could happen yeah right but so it's an interesting question it's one that we've talked about a lot throughout the summer it's going to be a topic and i do think anselm and edwards will both play in the first couple games a couple minutes and Bayheim will kind of make it a tryout but i have anselm as the pretty big favorite right now i put it at minus 225 odds if you want to take him to be the most minutes from the backup center so just let's just not count dolzhai even though I, I think he will play some center. It, it, that's a tough one to but follow. But he's already going to be a starter, right? right like, yeah. He'll probably the only start way to on track, this team. Yeah, the only way to track this is minutes per game, and you can't you know, say, oh, Dolzhai played 10.5 at center. You could, but that would just be very laborious. So yeah, that, that's a that, task so. for, for the Ken Palm folks there. But yeah, right. I, when you so, look at the break, did you list off the odds? What, what do you have? No, I know but you said Anselm was y- the You can favorite. list off the last two. It, Edwards is plus one seventy five. JBA is plus four hundred in this. I don't. I don't think it's likely that we see John Bull that much this year. It's basically down to Edwards and Anselm, and I, I'm leaning Anselm in that regard. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely leaning on the Anselm side of things here too. And it's just the fact that it feels like he can do more. Like offensively, we've heard about how he's such a good rim runner, how he can get up and and do things around the rim and with putbacks and with alley oops and just his hustle from end to end, that's something that I think is going to be invaluable for this team. And with a guy like Anselm out there, I think he might give you a little bit better of a chance on offense. Now, defensively, of course, I think that's where Jim Beheim's going to have a primary focus because of the fact that you do know that your, your three guards and your one wing 
or your two guards and your wing can create offense. Like you can get away with those guys getting you 15 to 25 points a night and then everyone else is just kind of a filler. If but you're going to need good defense on this team. And yeah. It's going to be I think who can have who can show that they can play defense the best out of those three. And right now I it's very tough to call because you really haven't seen much of any of them besides Jesse Edwards. And even that sample size is very limited, but I think that when it's all going to be said and done, Frank Anselm is going to be the one that emerges from the pack. I do like that. Both of them have tons of shot disruptor rim protector potential down the road. We won't see it this year, maybe to the degree that it could be, but they have more than Barama Sidibe. And some of that is Sidibe's knees just don't allow him to jump as, or be as much of an athlete as maybe we would have thought when he was a freshman. I, I think we're getting back to the Pascal Chukwu-type players, though, in the future because Anselm and Edwards have high wingspans and seem to be good shot disruptors. They just have to harness that and learn that skill a little bit. And that's one of those things, like, Frank Anselm, it feels like, has the knack for it. And, like, some people, they just have a knack for blocking shots. That was one of the things I remember, and, again, this is not a comparison, but I remember when Anthony Davis was with Kentucky that freshman year. Everything was about his shot blocking. He had the knack for it. He had the feel for it. He kind of, because of the fact that he was a guard, he just kind of had, he knew the tendencies of guards when they got in. And I'm not saying Anselm was a former guard because he really wasn't, but... He's got. He feels like he's got the feel for shot blocking, and that's something that you can't teach. And that's something that he has picked up over his limited time playing the game. That is just invaluable, and something that some of these other guys on the roster probably don't have. So on Woody Newton, the final freshman, really to discuss here. I don't see a way that he gets into the lineup, barring maybe foul trouble, COVID positive test or an injury related thing right now I would say he's nine or ten in a rotation that is usually seven or eight in Jim Beheim's history I, I think it's gonna be tough for him honestly to crack the rotation even going forward because Benny Williams is coming in but that's kind of a separate topic this year he has some defensive potential I just think he he's not quite there offensively from what I've seen from his highlight tape and maybe he proves me wrong but him and Robert Braswell to me are kind of in a similar category of it's just hard to see them cracking that top eight. I was going to bring up the Robert Braswell comparison, and it kind of feels like the same thing, right? Long wing type of guy. He can, he can shoot the ball, but where's the spot for him? And again, we've seen Robert Braswell thrive at certain points during his career. Like you think of that NC State game his freshman year where he was stealing, felt like every single pass in sight, yeah. and he was making some things happen that game, and then we just never saw him again, really. So... I don't know where the spot for Woody Newton is right now. I, I, like you, see him as kind of just this year's Robert Braswell, where he may have potential, he may have some great traits, but is Syracuse the team that he can help this year? And right now it doesn't really feel like that. It feels like he's more of a developmental piece, a depth piece moving forward. And again, you're right. When you look at where Syracuse is targeting, especially in recruiting, these next couple of years, Benny is obviously coming in. In the future, in that 2022 class, you'd imagine there's a wing that gets picked up. So yeah. Plus, everyone gets a waiver this year. Like, right. Alan Griffin is not burning a year. And maybe he's an NBA prospect down the road. We're high on him. I, I'm i afraid I don't really see a, a way that Robert Braswell is a rotation player at Syracuse by the time he ends his career. And I wish that wasn't the case, because 
again, it's not really enough. I mean, I, I don't know if I wish it wasn't the case. He's just not super talented to begin with. And then he's in a tough spot with everyone getting these extra years. And he's already into what is now, I guess, his redshirt sophomore year, I think, if I'm adding all the injuries and everything up correctly. Uh, looking through here. Yeah, redshirt sophomore year. And the thing with Braswell, too, is, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. They, we've heard the talks of him thinking about transferring, too. So I think he kind of knows where his role is on this team. And maybe he just wanted the comfort of something familiar this year. But that doesn't mean he won't try to explore some of his options moving forward, especially since this year does not count against his ledger. He's going to be able to go somewhere else after this year and still have two years of eligibility left if he so chooses. And again, I'm not pushing him out the door. I'm just being realistic with it. There isn't much of a spot here unless he really elevates his game. And hopefully he proves me wrong and he can be a valuable contributor. But from what we've seen so far and from what we've seen out of the coaching staff and how they distribute minutes, it's not likely to happen this year for Robert Braswell. So to wrap up and clarify our prop shop picks, I am going over on Kadari Richmond minutes at 12 and a half or 12. I can't remember exactly what we... 12 and a half. Let's, yeah. let's call it 12 and a half. Okay, I'm going over on that. And then I am going, the Frank Anselm, I'm going to take him at minus 225 to, at the end of the year, have the most, most minutes played per game of any backup center. And you're on the under Richmond, and you're also taking Anselm, correct? Correct, yep. So let's get into all ACC and the football side of things. We saw this floating around Twitter yesterday and even the day before kind of mid-season now and, and people are putting out their all ACC teams and it just got me thinking in kind of a negative sort of way but I, I'm a little worried that Syracuse isn't going to be very well represented on the all ACC teams there's a couple guys that are in the conversation but you look at a lot of these lists from media members and such people like that and Nolan Cooney's name popped up a little bit. I, I saw it labeled as Nick Cooney once. I won't say yeah. who it was, but that was a little discouraging to see. I think he sh he should definitely make the team. He's the best punter in the nation statistically, and I think he's been hands down one of the best revelations of the team so far this year. But I, I'm maybe I, I would say that Taj and Trill and Garrett Williams will have a shot, and maybe he can make the case for them. I'm worried that the national perspective is just probably not going to even really entertain those guys considering how poor Syracuse has been nationally this year and, and just what their overall record is going to end up being. Right. Well, there's there's a couple guys that I think will get all ACC from Syracuse because even though the team hasn't been good, it's because of the general flaws of a couple of spots. Like there have been some real standout units. You think about the defensive backs this year. They've been fantastic. Yeah. Taj Harris has been one of the leaders in the ACC in in uh, receiving. And then, I mean, I don't think he'll get on the team necessarily, but there's a spot for Sean Tucker on the all-freshman team. So that's one of Same those... Same with Garrett Williams. Well, yeah, yeah, and Garrett Williams, I think when it's all said and done, we'll see him on the all-ACC team because of the fact that you he has... So? I I think he has been an absolute standout at cornerback, and maybe he doesn't have the numbers, and that's where things can maybe get a little murky. I'm not saying he's a first-team member, but third team, I think he's definitely in the honorable mention uh, consideration too, but he's been unbelievable in coverage this year. I think a lot of people are starting to pick that up now bit by bit after the, the plays he made against Clemson because he made some two fantastic plays against the Tigers. When you think about, obviously, the pick six, which is something that, I guess, helps his case, 
but there's the pass breakup down the field where he rips the ball out of the hands of Amari Rodgers. And I think when you factor in all these things and it's just going to slowly continue to build and maybe we start to see the turnovers pick up a little bit more, but I think he's been really good. And you've seen the the zero touchdowns and coverage uh, statistic that's thrown around. The most snaps in coverage without a touchdown. Yeah, trails right there. And trails right there yeah. too. And and so is Iffy. Like all these guys have been pretty good, and I think that we're going to continue to see that unit progress and progress, especially as they continue to move forward in their careers. So I would have Garrett Williams on an all-ACC team right now if I filled out a ballot. Not a first team, but on a team. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Right. Okay. Yeah, a team. Yeah. I still don't think he's going to end up on a team because let's not forget Andre Sisco wasn't even preseason all-ACC. Like the media that votes on this, we've had our gripes with that before. They don't really pay attention to Syracuse that much because it's regionalized in such a way. And also, you can make the case that Garrett Williams is going against the number two guy each week, and Iffy has been drawing the number one. And honestly, Williams has been very good, and and there are some stats that support that for sure. But he gets picked on a couple times during games. Now, I I still think he's been a a huge But I think that kind of works in his favor to a degree, because he's the, the sample size is there. Like, they keep coming at him. And he keeps stepping yeah. up for the most part. And, and that's what I think is the most impressive part is the fact that he is the one that is drawing all this attention in, in terms of the, the traffic that comes his way. And he's still stepping up and making the plays. So do you think he's one of the six best defensive backs in the ACC? I mean, I'd have to look around. I'd have to to do a little more digging through some of it. But Remember, there, there's a couple spots here. You've got cornerback, cornerback, and then you've got defensive back. So there's that third spot. So essentially you're looking at, is he a top nine okay. defensive back in, in the ACC? And to that, I would probably say yes, at least the way that he's played this year. And again, you can say all you want about, oh, Andre Sisco, he wasn't on the, the preseason. I don't put a lot of stock in the preseason because that's why they play the season. And they've played the season this year. And so far at the halfway point, Garrett Williams has been phenomenal. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a disgrace that he wasn't on the preseason. I'm just bringing it up because right. that's no, I, how these lists yeah, but unfold. One, yeah. Once you now have some of the numbers and some of the things to back it up through these first couple of weeks, I think that's what's going to end up being something that's going to help him a lot. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this is obviously great that we're even having this conversation about Garrett Williams. I never would have thought that during the midseason of his freshman year, we'd be having the conversation, is he one of the nine best defensive backs in the ACC? It's a very high bar. I don't think he's quite there yet, and that that's not a bad thing. I mean, he's still way ahead of schedule. I just think, I, I think he has to get on the honorable mention. I, I do think Yeah, that. he should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I would probably put him on an all-ACC team because of stats right now, but if I was drafting a fake like fantasy football team or something— and I got my pick of all the DBs, and I could go through every DB in the ACC, I'm not sure I would use one of my top six or eight picks on Garrett Williams right now if for just one season. Maybe for like a dynasty-type league because he is young, and I think he's only going to get better. Right, and that's fair, but we'll see how, how it progresses. Because again, Syracuse has played some very good passing teams, and Garrett Williams has answered the bell, and... He hasn't just answered the bell. He's been targeted and picked on, like you mentioned. And I think the big thing with him is he doesn't get beat over the top. And and that's one of the things is limiting those big plays. 
And yes, have there been big plays against Syracuse this year? Absolutely. But most of them have come in the run game. And that stuff isn't necessarily Garrett Williams' fault. And that's that's one of the things where we've seen a big step year to year with this defense is limiting the big passing plays downfield. And Garrett Williams is a big reason why that's happening. And guess what? He's a pretty good tackler, too. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I love Garrett Williams. I want to get my stance clear here. My stance is... I think he's really good. He's had an awesome season. I'm really excited about him. I'd be shocked if the ACC voters labeled him an all-ACC cornerback at the end of the year, just based on how those I don't think I'd be there. shocked. I, okay. I I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Well, hopefully the, the limited polls that came out from some media members this week are going to have a little bit more orange on it at the end of the year, because, you know, we, we could have gotten into a couple more players. We're kind of cut on time here but Taj Harris's name popped up and I, th- I think he's got a decent shot just because of the stats that he is going to end up yeah I mean it, it to me it's year. it's Taj it's Nolan Cooney it's Trill Williams and it's Garrett Williams and th- there's your list of considerables yeah and Sean Tucker has an outside shot if he stays healthy and we just don't really know what his status is but tomorrow on the show I guess actually today later on today it'll be in your podcast feeds we are talking Wake Forest, getting you ready for a big game. I saw the spread opened up as, at minus 11. We'll give our picks on the spread, on our overall game picks, and just dissect this matchup. Go into the X's and O's, what Syracuse has to do to win, what Wake Forest has to do to win, and give you all our thoughts on a huge game for Syracuse coming up Saturday at noon. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter. It's at LO underscore Syracuse. We'll be live tweeting that game Saturday and have you covered throughout the week with all the latest SU news. So thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you guys later on today. Oh.